Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 149. I sort of can't believe it. Um, I was doing some prep work yesterday, um, just kind of building out the rest of my calendar for the year and, um, you know, just just kind of marveling at the fact that here we are like halfway through this season and the next season is like nearly all all recorded and, and certainly all scheduled and kind of starting to think about season nine and anyway, like, you know, obviously everyone loves hearing someone just play by play. So you're welcome for that. But also really it just, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting study. Um, gosh, I don't think I, you know, as per usual lately, no big announcements. We're going into wedding season again. So, um, you know, I, I think this should come as no surprise to anyone who's been listening to the podcast. But one of the things that I've been really working on lately is, you know, just trying to kind of apply um, artful thinking to everything I'm doing. Um, and so I have been um, focusing a lot on kind of the work that's right in front of me, which lately has been a lot of like my university teaching and then now heading into wedding season and kind of thinking less about the things that I normally call, you know, high art and thinking more about these kind of everyday art things and, and trying to see what I can do to kind of make them high art. And that's totally the brain space that I've been in. And then, um, as I was re-listening to this episode, um, last night to kind of just, you know, do some editing. Um, you know, it's just, it's, I, I feel like a broken record, but I'm, I'm always fascinated listening back to conversations that happened. Like I think with my knee injury, this conversation would have happened like probably closer to nine months ago now than, than, than the normal kind of five or six. And man, we were just talking about this same stuff and, um, it was kind of in its in its just thought stages for me back then, you know, kind of in the thick of last wedding season and, you know, prepping to teach my my college classes, um, you know, this past fall. And now I'm kind of thinking about next fall. Anyway, I just it's just it's just interesting. I hope you guys feel that, too. And also, I just feel like I need to acknowledge David. I interrupt you so many times at the beginning of this conversation, and I'm just sorry for that. And uh, for the listener, don't worry, it stops. <laughs> just bear with it for a second. I must have been in a weird mood on this day. Um, but David was so lovely to talk to and just, you know, yes ended kind of everything that I was saying, which I really appreciate. I hope you feel like you got to say all the things you wanted to say, David. Okay. Um... It's time for it's time for a bio. Um, here I go. Dave Martinez is an eclectic human with influences and inspirations from Bob Dylan to Lon Chaney to the back of old Time magazines found on some dusty shelf at an old antique store down the road. You never know what the man's discovering. I love it. He loves going on tangents on just about anything, stares the uncomfortable bits of life in the face and muses over them and listening to his kids talk about rocks, tissue boxes or whatever is important at the moment. It should also be noted that Martinez is stark raving mad about his lady and soon to be wife Eve. She is the embodiment of beauty and body and soul. 
As for the official bits, Martinez holds a Master's of Fine Arts degree in acting, the British tradition, from Royal Birmingham Conservatory in the UK, and has been working as an actor for about a decade. He has learned from such institutions as Shakespeare's Globe, the RSC, and more, plus he's not too bad at improv. Martinez is also gaining notoriety for his music, which you can listen to um, here with this handy little link. It's in the show notes, my friends, as well as see what else the man is up to if you so choose. Um, there's a link tree in the show notes. Care to, mo- care to know more about his origins in life? This episode may grant curious minds a few answers. Indeed. Uh, yeah, we get into all of my favorite topics and uh, David is just right there, like in those topics with me. And I just, I love it so much. Um, gosh, everybody, you know, happy kind of beginning of summer. I hope your intentions are set and that you're really kind of, you know, feeling things, being in the moment as much as possible. And I'm, I'm wishing that for myself too, and and trying my best. Um, I gosh, I think that's it. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Dave Martinez. Here comes. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. do I find you in today? Ah, uh, yeah, it's just absolutely. Like I ask my students, like, just where are we, where are we at? Let's yeah, just... which I think is a good sort of uh, check-in, you know? I mean, because yeah. golly. Because there's, there's shit going on. There's so much. Yeah. It's wild. It is crazy, and it's just like, I don't know, I feel like we're all, like, just emotionally exhausted kind of as a as a state of being now. I, well, I would agree with that. And, and I, I think I, especially I, for artists, I mean, well, maybe not especially, but I think artists are dealing with a specific brand of burnout. Oh yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. a real exhaustion. That's, I think that's a very good point. <laughs> well, I know it's true. Cause I talk to artists in this room, you know, every week, all different yeah. mediums and, and we're, we're tired people. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Coming out of the pandemic. I feel a sneeze brewing. So it's like at some <laughs> point that's like just, just pardon my like grimacing face. You got it. I'll be like, why is she wincing so much? <laughs> it's like, just like, I can feel it. It's like, I showered it's percolating. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, when you get that thing where like your eyes are just going to like maybe water a little bit. Oh, totally. <laughs> and it's like, you have to hold everything back focus on one thing yes. to just make it stop. It's such a like, it's such a, like an undignified thing a sneeze (laughs) sneeze, um i i love it though it's like it's such a funny like it's such a funny thing to like really watch someone like going into a sneeze it's like one of life's little joys like a little moment of vulnerability it's so true (laughs) and but one of those things that i mean that you brought up like the past couple years i didn't think much of sneezing at all um, oh yeah you know and then dangerous and then covid happened and and then even just being in the grocery store, yeah. you know, everybody's wearing a mask and you see somebody sneeze. You're like, I'm going to die today. I know. Well, you know, this is something that I've talked about with some other vocalists, but, and I'm, I'm actually surprised that more actors like, or more other like types of yeah. performers don't have these kinds of fears, but 
you know, I, I make my living, like the vast majority of my income comes from singing in this wedding band and I have to sing like four hours per gig. And it's a, and like next week I have three. So I have to, I have to sing like, I have to sing like 12 hours in like three days. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm also teaching during the week. So like, I've always had paranoia about (laughs) like pollen. Yeah viruses and if someone is around me and they're like oh i'm feeling a little i'm like get the hence <laughs> like stay away from <laughs> out, me out. yeah yeah so co- when covid happened like not much like changed and yeah okay like, so it didn't it didn't exacerbate it or anything it well was just- i mean i think the f- from my perspective the thing that's different about covid and like maybe this is like a little fucked up but before if I would get sick, like if I would get a virus or something like just a cold, I would just still go to my gig. Like it was like, yeah. I can't replace myself and like, it's going to be rough, but like I can make it through. Cause like I'm a vocal athlete, yeah. <laughs> like it's not going to be comfortable, but like I can probably, I can probably just be fine. And probably most of the time, nobody would even notice, you know, aside from maybe catching me in a coughing fit on a break, you know? Um, but with COVID, um, it's just unethical to be out. And the idea of like having to find like a sub is the thing that like did feel different. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Stress of that. And it continues to feel like, cause you know, if, uh, if the bass player calls me on like Tuesday and is like, I have COVID. I I can't just be like, okay, like we'll try to stay away from you. Like, do you feel like you still want to play? Right. It's like you. I have to find a replacement. Yeah, and I mean, holy cow, that's a lot of it's stress. Really stressful. Well, I mean, even <laughs> in the film industry, it's it's that way. If uh, you know, say that you're you're working in some sort of department, whether it's acting or you know, your uh, producer or right. director. The whole or production can fall yeah, apart. You have to, like, we've had points where we shut down for a few days or it was a week. Right. And if you're playing for someone's wedding, I that's mean, not an yeah, option. And you can't yeah, yeah. For, for your line of work. Yeah, yeah. no way. That's so wild. It, that really like the anxiety of that piece has been like an immense burden in the last like year <laughs> and a half. Like that is wild. just like on Monday, just like praying, like, please don't let any of my bandmates get sick this week. Absolutely. Where like, and that's the part that I'm saying is like maybe a little fucked up. Like maybe we shouldn't have ever felt fine going yeah. out in public with a virus, but right. that's how it was for yeah. sure. Before it was like, yeah, I'm a little sick today, but I'm here at the office, which is also just like, very American. Yeah. Yeah. And very like capitalism. There we go. But yeah. the fact that those things like exist in our culture is kind of at this point a bit unavoidable. And again, like for a wedding vendor, it's like, yeah. you're not really human. You're supposed, you have to be there. Which, know? yeah. I mean, and that's, I can't imagine what it's like for, for your profession where you, I mean, holy cow. And especially, I mean, you brought up four hours. Yeah, like it's, it's a lot. Holy cow. I get scared. I get anxious about it. I feel like we're just talking a lot about me and this is probably like very boring, but maybe it's interesting. No, this is I cool. <laughs> I like learning about you too. This is rad. Well, this is what I like to do on this podcast is like, I'm, I think like, so my whole like premise with the podcast, it's called artifice. And the whole premise is I think people don't understand what it's like to actually be an artist. We get asked about the work that we've created. We don't often get asked that much about what it's like to do it, you know, or to create it or kind of what the context is. And I find I, I was, I've been joking recently. Did you, did you watch the bear? 
No. It it was maybe one of the best things I've ever seen. Really? And I know like how it, I, I imagine as a film person hearing someone just like recommend a show, you maybe get a little skeptical. I feel this way about music sometimes, <laughs> but I think it really was like, I think it really was well-made. Um, but the show is about like chefs. So mm. like never has a show in my opinion had done a better job of showing like the stress of being an artist and the stress of being a person who has like trauma and PTSD. Oh wow. Which are like two topics and I'm those into. Two together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And how many of us as artists have trauma. <laughs> like, <laughs> like those things go hand in hand a lot. Right? Yes. Yeah. But Sometimes for the betterment and detriment of ourselves. I absolutely. Think. Well, and I think that's kind of what the show is like about. <laughs> like yeah. it, but it's anyway, I won't spoil it. But um the show is about chefs and they talk about this thing that they do that's called like a French brigade. Have you mm. heard of this? No, no. Um, yeah. And it, it's excited. like a, yeah, I also, so watching it, they're like, yeah, it, it, I mean, it makes perfect sense, but I'd never heard of it. But like, you know, one person is in charge of like all the sauces and one person is in charge of all the breads. And it's like wow. a well-oiled machine, like in the restaurant. And I just, it, as I was watching it, I was like, okay, well now I need to like, message or email all of the chefs that I've had on this podcast, which has been several and be like, why didn't you tell me about this? Because this is so interesting. <laughs> I think it's so interesting anyway. And then I just feel like I want artists in other mediums to tell me like, what is the stuff in like your profession that is like that kind of stuff that people wouldn't know about. I just, I think it's, really it's kind of overlooked. I mean, yeah. I think especially whether you're in film or music or something, the everyday sort of uh, tasks, it becomes, you know, mundane and rote. And right. then we somebody else is like, Oh my gosh, you do yeah. this. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And our culture, I think in America and, and, you know, globally to a certain extent is just like, it's just very kind of unkind to like the day to day, artist mm. like it's just not respected it's just like <laughs> it's seen with like a certain type of mystery this like this kind of idea of a starving artist that like is kind of a uh you know a troubled genius yeah it's just not really real you no. know like i mean or if you are a troubled genius like you're also hustling yeah. you know it's like oh yeah and, and you've got to you know yeah. and i think to or that you're point, famous and a diva and yeah. there's nothing in between absolutely and if, like, we know that's not the case. Yeah. We come in all shapes and sizes and, and like so, so much breadth as to like Absolutely. how we react to things. And I think that's one thing that for me, um, within this sort of sphere of, uh, of, of creativity is just realizing, I mean, to your point with things like the, um, the starving artist sort of model, yeah. it's, it's like, well, that's, there, there is truth in that sort of stereotype. I've met people like that. Yeah. I, I, points in my own sort of path have been that. Right. But I think there's, there's a sort of danger in that where it's, it's um, perpetuated. It's like romanticized almost. Yeah. And then we become that, well, I mean, maybe that's, that's how I really show that I'm a dignified artist when oh, in God. fact it's, yeah. it's like, no, you can actually, you can have struggles, can but also therapy. You, yeah. And you can choose happiness. <laughs> right. You know, you can choose to be content and go, Hey, 
right now I'm not feeling this. I'm going to take a step away for a yeah. second and, uh, you know, focus on other things and then go back to it. That doesn't make you less of an artist or, right. or, uh, less agree devoted. More, you and know? I, but I do think the general public is confused about that. And oh, like, yeah. if you are like well adjusted and like are in a happy relationship and like aren't starving, then maybe you're not like a real artist. Yeah. Right. I mean, and there's, that's just one thing. I think yeah. there's so many things like that, like Absolutely. just stereotypes that are just like, yeah, I mean, stereotypes exist for a reason, like, mm -hmm. but also some of those stereotypes are really based on the way that things were in like the sixties. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, it's an outdated it model. It has been 50, it has been 60 years, right? Mm -hmm. Since the sixties. That's easy math, but it's still challenging me in this moment. Um, no worries. Yeah, six decades. Um, and like, yeah, a starving artist does exist, but like our things, it's just not what people think it is. No, no. It's not institutionalized like it used to be. And artists are, are I don't know, shifting and molding into like all kinds of new things in like a digital age. And it's it's interesting. And it's it's something that I think most people aren't talking about. no. No, I mean, I would agree with that. I, man, but being an artist, I think now it has its advantages where you're able to just truly be, be there, be seen, show up, create your own content. It's awesome. But then, I mean, we were just talking about earlier burnout. Right. I mean, that can be such a big thing where somebody is going, I, I have the, the talent and the skill to create a song, um, create a, a believable character, but I'm not good at marketing. Right. I'm not like, and it's, it's all of these things where you have to be all of these, wear these different hats yeah. and it's beautiful because you get to learn so much, Yeah. but simultaneously it's, uh, it gets to a point where you're going, wait, what, what am I doing here? Who am I? Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's like, I get like identity fatigue. Like, oh, yeah. it's like, a I I'd have been writing about this a lot this summer. Like mm. I, I, I'm a musician and I write songs, but I also just write a lot. Like yeah. I just write a lot of prose nice. and I write like essays, but I've been, I've been thinking a lot about this just this summer, like just the kind of, the kind of code switching that we do mm. going from an, an artist who's like, and even I was just thinking recently I've, I've been watching the bachelorette, which like, I really like it, Yes, <laughs> but I also like high art, you know, yeah. but I've just been thinking like the people who make this show are artists too. Like yeah. they might not be doing something that's like, you know, their life's work, but this is, this is someone's hustle. And there's a very good chance that the person like behind the camera on the set of the bachelorette, like also could make like really high level art stuff. Absolutely. But this is just a job that they can take, you yeah. know? And I think that that is a piece that a lot of people don't understand these days that someone can be the, you know, the, the director for the bachelorette, but maybe also is like a, you know, one of like a, like a Wes Anderson. Oh yeah. You just absolutely. don't know. <laughs> and Truly. I think with musicians, it's the same thing. Like I run this wedding band and when I'm there at the wedding band, I mean, people say ridiculous things to me sometimes. Like, you know, people come up to me and be like, you're really good. Like, I really think you could make it. <laughs> and I just feel like you don't know anything about what this is like. Like you just don't know anything about it. And like, that's, I'm hustling there, but like, I am also like, about to release my third album of like very artsy original music. Yeah. So it's like, you know, who are we? <laughs> like, right. right. Who are you? If like, 
it's very confusing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I find it very confusing. Yeah, man. It's one of my favorites, though, when people say, oh, you were in this, or do I know you from somewhere? Or what's the, oh, are you? do you do this for a hobby? Right. Like, no, I got a master's in it. Like, exactly. I, I have a master's degree, too. So yeah. Like, yeah. And I it, find it, myself yeah. getting salty about it. Like, sometimes I oh, just want to so be like, oh, it's so easy to get oh, that way. Yes. And I think I also like, I'm just like short and blonde. And I think like I sometimes look younger than I am, especially like in certain contexts. Mm -hmm. And people will say things to me in such like condescending ways sometimes. And I'm just like, oh my God, you have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's like, let's like get some history on you. So I find that it's very helpful for me to like ask good questions about like your current like art self. If I understand that, like where you kind of came from. So let's start with where did you grow up? Okay. Well, I was born in Riverside, California. Um, and I lived in Redlands for about nine years. Uh, both my parents, um, they weren't married. And so when my dad found out that my mom was pregnant, he left. Okay. And, um, uh, my mom decided to raise me and keep me. And, um, yeah, that was a, I can't imagine it from what I understand. And, and this will make sense later on, but she, she disappeared for, uh, you know, nine months. She didn't tell anybody in the family. Um, and, uh, it was just kind of a mystery, uh, on that aspect. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I grew up there and my mom had cancer, breast cancer. So oh. there would be times where we would go up to Cayucas, California, which we, is we being you and your mom. Yeah. No yeah other me siblings. and my mom. No, okay. no, I was the only child oh. there. Um, she had breast cancer when you were little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She God. developed it. I, I can't remember what age it was, but we would go up to visit my grandparents and stay with them, uh, while my mom would get chemotherapy treatments. And I would just, uh, my grandma pretty much like, uh, homeschool taught me for a while. I would get these huge packets from my school that, uh, I actually lived right across the street from, but for some reason we had to go up North to get these chemotherapy treatments. Um, but I would just kind of go back and forth, but then I think it was, um, I gosh, I can't remember the exact year, I think it was 97 or 98. I met my dad, uh, yeah. for the first time and it was by How accident. How old are you now? Right now I'm 32, just okay. turned, turned 32. I'm 34. So we're like, yeah. yeah, it helps me like have a context of like the time period. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So you met your dad when you were how old? Yeah. Did you say? Uh, gosh, I must've been six or seven, okay. I think. So little, a little baby. Uh, oh yeah. So wait, your mom yeah. had cancer when you were like little, mm-hmm. like you don't really remember it maybe. I mean, I remember, or- I remember that she, I think I remember a moment when we were in the doctor's room and, and she had been sort of diagnosed with it. It's one of those strange memories as yeah, a child a where, flash. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just sort of flinting sort of glimmer. Um, but, uh, no, she, she gave a really good fight. I met my dad by, by accident. Like I said, I met him for 15 minutes and that was about it. And then, uh, let's see in 99, uh, he contracted HIV and then he caught pneumonia and, uh, his uh, lung collapsed. And so he passed away there. And then 11 months later, my mom, uh, passed away. Oh my gosh, Um, David. So that's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, and I was, I was there for that one for my mom and I, I watched her pass away and, 
And I was at that point, I was nine years old, and that was in uh, June of two thousand. Holy crap! That's so, crazy. Yeah, it was. It was wild. Yeah. Oh my god! And that your grandparents like kind of raised you after that? No, actually, I mean, my mom willed me over to my grandparents, but my grandparents, I mean, they were like they in their eighties. Yeah, wow. mid to late eighties at that point, and um, my grandma was like, "We we love him." Yeah. We absolutely love him, but we can't take him. Like we, just, we can't provide can't, enough energy like, right. and attention. Like we're too, we're too old and brittle at this point. Yeah. And so there was this sort of uh, council. I was in this limbo for a couple of days between like all my aunts and uncles. And it yeah. turned out that my aunt and uncle, so my aunts, uh, my mom's sister okay. was like, uh, yeah, we'll take him. And they were both previously divorced. So she had four and he had three and then they ended up with me. And so yeah. that's, so you have like step siblings that are cousins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And I, that's I love them lovely. dearly. They're yeah. awesome. But I mean, to tell you the truth, it was such a crazy transition to go yeah. from being the only child with to all of a sudden having seven, seven other, uh, you know, new siblings. Yeah. It was I wild. I can imagine that being like really intense. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about how this like interacts with your creativity. So oh, yeah. I am like, I'm kind of obsessed with this question of like, where does creativity come from? Mm-hmm. I, I'm always an optimistic person, I, I think. And I like the idea that like all children are creative, but I think the evidence would suggest that some of us are a little different. Oh, absolutely. What were you like as a creative child? Oh, as a creative child, I love to dress up and run around in my underwear and a towel proclaiming that I was either Superman or a knight or I was really into Zorro like yeah. that Antonio Banderas totally. film that came out. I was like You're, he's so cool I have a brother who was really into that as well really? like and was always like a wearing a cape and it, in fact like we have this kind of family <laughs> joke like it's it's just funny that you're saying this and I just feel like I have to tell this story but when my, my brother was little he had like a little bit of a, like a not a speech impediment but he'd, he he had his like this through his nose no way. <laughs> and yeah, he, it was really cute. And he was just like, he had the, like the roundest head and was just like oh. a chubby baby. And he just said his, for the listener, it's, I'm saying S's. You can't like hear it, but it's like, like through his nose. <laughs> and so like, it's really great to watch. So one time, this one time, my dad and my brother's uh, quite a bit younger than me. So I, he, I was 10 when he was born. And so I remember this, but my dad had come home from work and um, my brother was probably like four. And so I was like 14 and he was wearing his little Zorro costume with the mask. And oh my, gosh. my dad was like, who is that? Who's in my house? And my brother Cade was like, it's your son, Cade Gorkney. Don't you recognize my voice? <laughs> With so many S's in the sentence. It's your son, Cade Scoresby. Don't you recognize my voice? That is Cade amazing. Cade Gorkney. So funny. It's really funny. That is amazing. <laughs> it's a perfect little story. Oh my gosh, especially wearing a Zorro sort of... He's in- He's in medical school now. Oh my so, gosh. You know, that's like time. something you would see in like a Mel Brooks film. <laughs> that, that is amazing. It was really cute. It was like, it's like one of the like touchstone kind of like memories of like him as like a baby. So cute. Um, where do you think that like creativity came from? Do you, are there artists like, do you think it's biological? Are there artists around? Do you think it was like a problem solving thing? Cause you were just like alone and, your mom wasn't well, like right. what, what, what was it for you? I think there were so many factors. I mean, my mom was really one of those people that really liked to expose me to a lot of different things, whether that was different types of music, cool. Bob Marley, the Beatles, you know, growing up with, with 
stuff like that, but also just experiencing life. And I think somewhere in there, I just, I mean, I watched a lot of television because she would either be having to go to chemotherapy or, you know, she would just be exhausted. And I would just watch a lot of these people on television, whether it was um, famous actors or even just seeing snippets of people playing live music. And I was going, that looks like so much fun. And there was this energy that I was just drawn in. And I'm not necessarily certain where that came from. I know that one of my big influences, um, I was in love with uh, Phantom of the Opera, Michael Crawford, and all of that. And I would dress up like a phantom, you know. It's such... a beautiful drama. Oh my gosh. Like the yeah. organ. I mean, it's just like, it is dramatic. If yeah. as a child, you have a flair for the drama, like Phantom of the Opera, oh, yeah. like you can't, I mean, it is, it is drama through and through. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, something in there resonated with me and, and I honestly, I'm not sure if it is this biological thing or if there's other influences, I'm not sure. But what I, what I do know for myself is that there was this feeling of, I really like, creating and it's it's fun it it felt like it gave my life some sort of motion you know even as a as a little kid it was just so much fun it's kind of magic it's such a mysterious thing um i i've experienced similar things and it's something i've been reflecting on lately is like what is creativity even because you know i think obviously like when we are making something that's creative but i also think like you're experiencing a very similar thing when you like watch a movie or listen to a record or like eat good food. Like it's like the, it's like the thing you're feeling is creative, even though like you didn't make the thing. Right. And then I feel like this, what, like that feeling is like really what it is for a lot of us. Like we're chasing that like little sparkly thing. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I also have memories of being like a little kid and just like, you know, finding rocks in the backyard and like putting them underwater to see how like different colors came out. And like that felt creative, that felt creative in a really similar way to like the much more complex creativity I'm doing now. Right. Well, and I I think there is something like that. It almost seems like creativity goes hand in hand with just being curious. If you're like a curious person and I think you're saying the thing that I always say, Yeah, my listeners will be like, that's what Emily thinks too. <laughs> yeah, totally. Cause it, it makes sense to me that it's like, okay, what, what happens here? And and that means that the creative process isn't just towards what we would deem as the, the arts production. Yeah. yeah. That can be, that can be in science that can be in, you know, the food industry that can literally be in anything. I remember, uh, you know, in a, a really obscure, uh, interview Bob Dylan gave where he was just saying, you know, there's a, some some gas attendant uh, out there that's probably an amazing poet, better than anybody that we've ever seen. Yeah. But we just think of him as a gas attendant, you know. Yeah. And and there can be poetics everywhere, you know. I love that. I need to find that because it's one of my soapboxes for sure. Of like, like looking at others, like looking at individuals, and just yeah, having this curiosity that like this person could be like amazing at something yeah or i mean and again i feel like an optimist so i i tend to feel like the vast majority of people are really really special (laughs) and whether it's in the arts or whether it's like but i think the vast majority of people are gifted yeah somewhere and the 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 it's such a tantalizing question talking to a new person of like 
what's it going to be with you? Like what's, what is the thing that like I will discover in the process of getting to know you that will like make me feel like humanity is like on the up and up. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, with, with that, I mean, anybody, I, I really do think that you can be creative, uh, in most, in I would say almost any field really. Yeah. And not like, even just a field. Like you can be creative as a parent. You can be creative oh, as sure. a neighbor. You can be creative as a spouse. For sure. Yeah, I, absolutely. But I mean, like my, I, I took about a year off of acting, um, for and I I learned how to do some uh, remodeling, new cool. construction, all this stuff. Yeah. It was totally not in my wheelhouse. But I yeah. was with working with my brother in law, and that guy has like well well over ten thousand hours in of just doing tile work and yeah. stuff. And I would just watch him, and he would problem solve, and he he would just mm, sit there beautiful. and be like, okay, how do we do this? How do we? I, I this cut is going to be difficult. And sometimes he would just nail it the first time or other times it's like, no, that's not it. And, but it was that drive of him knowing what he wanted to have and knowing that he could do it, but just trying to figure out how to do that. And I was going, this is art. How could you call it anything other than art? Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. I keep saying like, I've been thinking about this recently, but it's, it's because I like, I am I'm about to release my third album, which what that thinks, what that implies is that like, I'm thinking about new stuff. I think, I think the implication there is that my, my brain is now like opened for like kind of new ideas that I'm sort of percolating on. So I'm, I'm in like a, I'm in like a research period as Mm. an artist. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and lately I've been kind of feeling like maybe like the thing, the condition of being an artist really has nothing to do with medium and the condition of being an artist is just like feeling curious and feeling like earnest, you know, or yeah. something like these ingredients are like, it really like you can, you can be an artist yeah. in a corporate environment and you can be an artist, you know, wherever. Um, and it's, it's really like a condition of the mind and the heart and maybe completely separate from medium. Yeah. Well, there's something that I think is beautiful about that idea though. I think we've been kind of conditioned and it's not just American society. I think in, in, uh, at large, there's this idea that if, if you're making money, then that's, that's what you should be doing. But I've met so many people that have been in these really high paying jobs, but they're just like, you know, I kind of just wanted to like do some painting or just, I wanted like my grandpa, my grandpa was threatened by his, his grandparents that if he didn't become a doctor, that they would disown him. And I found out like years later that my grandpa just wanted to own a hardware store and that's, and, and he like, and he had an amazing career. Uh, I mean, he became a, a psychiatrist interviewed people like Charles Manson. He was a, a a marriage counselor for Johnny Cash and June Carter, like amazing stuff, but he would, your mom's dad. Yeah. 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 And he would, he would go down into the garage and just be at his workshop and that's what he loved doing. But I think very often we associate, you know, you'll have a fulfilling life if you make money. And I don't think, I think while money can provide, um, like, necessities and yeah. comforts and things. And I'm not saying it's, I think money in and of itself is amoral. I think the way that humans and, and the yeah. way that each person interacts with it is another story. Sure. But I think with artistry, people are often just like, um, 
dissuade from it because it's like, well, you're going to be poor and, and it's, you're not going to be happy and you're not going to be fulfilled. Well, and you some know? of this is just like so such a late stage capitalism question. Like another kind of thought that I haven't really talked about with anybody, but that's just been sitting in my mind. I had dinner with my aunt, my mom's sister. Um, my mom is also passed away. Mm. Um, she died much more recently also oh, of cancer. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's I, okay. That's, Actually, that's rough. No matter what next, age you are. The next so sentence is she was really abusive and narcissistic. Mm. So it's different. It's, yeah. it's a different type of thing. Anyway, all this to say, um, my mom's sister is kind of really the only person from the family that I still talk to. Mm. Um, and we don't see each other that often, but she was here and we have, we have very different politics and very different. Like, uh, I grew up LDS and I'm I'm not LDS anymore. And it, um, it's just, it's tense. Um, it's tense in the family. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, and, and it's, you know, I think those things depend more on the family than like the religion per se. It's, Mm -hmm. I, Listen, I don't know. I haven't figured it out. But all this to say, when I was having lunch with my aunt or dinner with my aunt and we were just talking about, I don't even remember like how we got here, but she said something about how like we were talking about universities and whether universities are ethical in like the current day and age. Good question. I mean, an unanswerable question. And like, I'm a professor. So like I, I, there is bias, but like, it is something that I think about. And, um, she was saying, you know, like, yeah, maybe a university is good for some things like for doctors, but like, you know, she, she kind of expressed the opinion that it's like, a there's no reason for someone to be getting a degree in like women's studies or like mm. African-American studies or, you know, like, right. I mean, just, uh, uh, the antiquities, you know? Um, and I get what she means, but I also feel like I think that's just the capitalism machine. Like, cause <laughs> we need people to be scholars of all things. Like yeah. that is like, I mean, and whether they are a scholar in an institutionalized university kind of a sense or whether they're just a scholar, like as a hobby, you know, yeah. or, or as a calling, right? those right. things really are important. So I don't know. This, it feels, it feels very related to this like art problem to me. Absolutely. Well, and I, I really like the approach that you're talking about that we should have people that study everything. Yeah. Um, I think the sort of conversation that I've seen, I've seen on both sides is just like, I mean, how much are universities charging for these things right. and no, that it's I'm just increasingly been going. Um, but also just like, um, people is, is it earnest? And, and, and that's another sort of thing where it's like, well, how can you tell, like even lie detectors aren't reliable, you know what I mean? So when you're, when it's all of these things, it really, it does beg the question. Yeah. Is it, uh, is it a, a sort of ethical thing is, are they necessary? But I think the, the big thing, and I, I think within our society now, it's very difficult is to be able to just have conversations and to say, Hey, I'm, I'm not sure I agree on this point or, Hey, uh, I'm curious about this, um, without being, you know, labeled and uh, attacked as, well, you support, uh, person X or you support person Y. So you must mean you, you like, I'm going to put you in a box. And I, I just think that, and especially with creativity and you see this within, like, I've, heard comedians talk about this and, and all sorts of other areas where it's like, look, sometimes I, I tell a joke that I don't even, uh, affiliate with like, yeah. but it's, it's, it's just because a cra- it's, it's, just it's my job. Craft. I'm crafting yeah. it and yeah. I'm also making an observation, you know, it's, yes. it's well, such a wild You're, you're time. saying like all the things that I like 
like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, like again, like listeners who've been listening for a long time will just be like, this is, this is what this podcast is. But you know, it's an interesting thing for me. Like, and and again, I I've been thinking a lot lately about medium. Like I already said that, but even this podcast, like this, I'm having conversations with artists. I'm interviewing artists and that feels important for plenty of reasons. I think there's maybe a second meaning though, or like a second, um, for me as this is like an art project for me as well. So cool. Um, yeah. I mean, who knows what I'm up to? Like, I don't know. I feel very confused about medium lately. Like, am I a musician? Like, what is it? What am I doing? Um, certainly music is a thing that I do and I'm a professor of music and I do a hell of a lot of music, but like, it doesn't really feel like the point to me, like the point to me personally as an artist feels like a much bigger thing that music just happens to be my primary tool for. Mm. But, um, I've been thinking lately more of this podcast as like a, like it's performance art. Like it's like performing these conversations with a stranger in real time feels really important because I think you're exactly right. We don't know how to have conversations in our culture. And I, I think I suspect like I have a hypothesis that artists can't get away with that level of closed mindedness like other, like some other professions can. So is creativity and artistry limited to the arts? I think decidedly uh, no. Yeah, no way. But I, no way. I do suspect that it's difficult to be an artist if you aren't good at that other thing. <laughs> it's possible, but I think it's difficult. I, I, I do suspect that within the arts, we have more open-minded people because the arts are just a trip. Like you just kind of have to be open-minded to do it yeah. um, with exceptions. But generally I think that's true. So to have conversations to like, it's almost like a way of showing like, this is how you do it yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And I, and I try to interview artists from a lot of different kinds of backgrounds. I try to interview artists who are doing like the respected arts, you know, ballerinas oh, and yeah. cellists. And I also try to interview drag queens and, you know, like, like at last week I interviewed a woman who makes like soaps. Um, that is so cool. It's really fucking cool. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I interviewed a woman who does um like fruit production. Like she grows, she, she works, she has a master's degree in fruit production and she's a gardener essentially like wow. cultivating fruits. But like, I mean, that's art for sure. Like Absolutely. a science too. But anyway, I just, that's what this is to me, you know, I think that's beautiful. Thanks. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think to go along with what you were saying before with, with art and artistry and musicians and like, am I a musician? I, I struggle with that, uh, title. I honestly of saying, uh, somebody would be like, well, you're an artist and I, I hate it. Like, and I, tell me why I hate it so much because I, I think, and this is probably going back to just interactions I've had with people growing up because I've, I mean, my last name's Martinez, but because my dad was the one who spoke Spanish and wasn't there, um, you know, I've had so many friends that are like, Martinez, que paso, hermano? And I'm like, dude, I'm good. Like, and I can't speak a ton. Like mm-hmm. I can carry a bit Your of mom Spanish. Is white. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, that's really confusing. 
Oh yeah. I would imagine. Oh yeah. And to be this sort of, especially now with like identity politics and in, in this climate where people are like, I'm this, I'm this. Yeah. Um, for me being an artist is it's like, dude, I am so much more than that. I don't need to be put in another box. Yeah, I've already exhausting. been put in so many boxes. Like I feel that with here's you. the thing I create like, and I, I have moments where I have these breakthroughs where I'm like this, this character is going to be awesome. I just had an idea. I'm going to work with the director or I write songs too. And so yeah, I'm cool. like, Oh yeah, this line. Fantastic. This is awesome. But then there are also points where I'm like, okay, I, I'm not going to touch that and I'm going to go hang out with friends and and watch a basketball game. Totally. You know, and and then I sit there. It's so true. But I mean, like you were saying earlier, it all relates. Like sometimes I'll be watching something that has nothing at all to do with the arts. And I'm like, oh, dude, that just gave me like a beautiful sort of canvas in my head of something that I can, yeah. you know, I, I translate just, into. I feel it's all this mediums. with you like exactly, yeah. which is why I just feel like is art even a thing. Like it feels <laughs> very like it's everything and it's nothing at the same time. Yes. But I think, I do think, and I could be wrong about this. Like it's something that I'm trying to, I'm like actively trying to notice and trying to figure out, but like, I do think that the term artist is like loaded. We, I mean, oh, obviously, yeah. Oh, yeah. but like, is it loaded in a good way? Maybe like, I do think there's something like it's, we, I think we understand the ways that it's loaded in a bad way, which is right. why it's a title that you don't feel comfortable with. Yeah. Um, I think I feel comfortable with it. Maybe only because I talk about this stuff so much, Right. but right. I do think that like art as a word, as an idea, as a, as a, as a connotation, like as a feeling is high minded. Yeah. Um, and that can be ivory towerish and that can be, you know, colonialist and that can be all kinds of bad things. But I do think it implies like a bit of an openness that he made it bear. You made it. What up, dude? Come here, buddy. See, I told you it would take him like, it took him like 15 minutes to <laughs> yeah. come in and That's now he's amazing. tired. <laughs> he's like, he's been through on? it. He like, oh he was at gosh. a personal crossroads that he just like, that's what this, that's what this animal's going through. He's like, should I, should I be here? Yeah. yeah. And what up, like, man? We Welcome. made it. And hey, this is a victory to him. He looks so cool. Isn't he beautiful? Yeah. I mean, majestic. speaking of this feeling of like getting an art feeling in a non art context, yeah. just like living with this dog. Really? Like, I mean, look at him. He looks like a painting. Yeah, it really does. He has such like beautiful, graceful lines, but he's yeah. also like shy and weird and like, if a dog can ha- be on the spectrum, this dog is on the spectrum. Um, and it's yeah, so I mean, cool. it gives me all kinds of art thoughts. Which I really like, especially, again, being being in an art form, or it just looking, looking at the world through, I guess, sort of a creative artistic yeah. lens, you start to see, you can see anything, you know, yeah. whether it's like... Uh, pets, uh, other people where you're like, Oh wow, you are an interesting, uh, creation. Like I have a friend that sometimes I'll, I'll talk problems with them and I'll be like, I'm just having, like, I'm going through this rough motion. And instead of them going, Oh, I'm so sorry. Sometimes instead of saying, sorry, like that is so interesting. Wow. What is going on? Yeah. You know, rather than having it be this well, I'm going to just jump into an automatic reflex of saying something. It's yeah. actually being there in real time going, right. oh, wow. 
That's, that's an interesting too. thing. It's, like, impro- it it's is. like improvising. Like Yeah. Life is one long improv yeah. scene. You well, know? and I do think, I mean, I, I really agree. In fact, like there's a an, an song on my new record about this. Like the final line of the song is like, the song is about like magic and it's, it's called mm. Sweet Dream. And it's like a, it's a dream sequence. I wrote a concept record and so so it's a dream sequence in the concept record, but, um, it's like all very like, you know, magical and otherworldly. And then the punchline of the song is like, I can have this magic. This, these aren't the lyrics, but I can have this magic all the time in my waking life. I just have to learn to see it in the otherness of the other people. Absolutely. And I really believe that, um, you know, people are disappointing sometimes, but I think if you right. ask the right questions, you know, sociopaths aside, like people are pretty special. Yeah, um, truly. But what I was saying before about art is like, I, I sometimes think that there's like a, a bit of like a, a, a magic, like an, like a, a sense of unknown, a sense of mystery, like in this connotation mm. that I, I suspect we could just use more of. And I almost want to go the other way and like have just everyone call themselves an artist who <laughs> feels that in any kind of remote way. Like yeah, I, I'd rather have it be a title that like anyone can say, like, I like, I, I try to move through the world artfully. Like I try to have an artful perspective, you know, as a middle management, middle manager yeah. you know, or whatever. Well, there, there's something I think really interesting in that that thought, especially where we live in a time right now where we like to explain things to the nth degree. Yeah, and ambiguity is is kind of a lost sort of place to be. Um, Amen. And I think, like the art that for me that I I connect with, whether it's. Um, you know, listening to like a, a a Dylan record or watching an Ingmar Bergman film or seeing like a a, a Rothko painting, I'm like, there is a sort of mystery yeah. that where everything is, whether it's intentional or unintentional, some things are just left untied. They're not tied up. They're not yeah. packaged neat and nice and everything. It's just a fragment of something, and you're going yeah. and you're left thinking with yeah. uh, certain things. You're like, what does that mean? But I, I remember hearing a, um, oh gosh, with uh, uh, Picasso, his uh, his painting Guernica, there were people when when he unveiled this painting, so many people were going, oh my gosh, you you captured this moment of this history, and then you captured this moment in this history. How did you do it? You, you that was all intentional, and he would just go, yeah, but in reality. It's like I didn't I didn't intend I for that. I just painted something. Exactly. And I, yeah. I think that's that's something that for me as a a performer, whether that's uh yeah, making music or or acting, it's like I'm there to provide a sketch and like give you some key details. Yeah. Um, but in the end, you're the one, at least in my my sort of idea of this, is that the audience or the listener, they're the one painting something for themselves. Yeah. It's just like that idea of like you sing a song and it'll be like one line, but it's going to be interpreted a thousand different ways. And it's awesome to be able to just go, I release it into the ether. I have no idea how it's going to be received. And it's terrifying because it's like, well, I want, I want my point to be received. Um, But then there are also points where it's like, you know what? You're going to have your own meaning. And that's okay. I mean, that's the goal. I think like that's where that, like, you know, those of us that feel creative when we watch something or when we listen to something, you're right. Like you said, like 
I'll listen back and like write it down. But you said like the, the, the audience is like a painter, like the audience is painting those conclusions and hopefully like, I hope they are. Um, yeah, I've been, um, my husband and I just got Apple plus. So we like, we've been, we've been binging like the Apple shows we've been like meaning to watch for years. And we've been watching the morning show. Did did you, did you see that one? No, no, I haven't. It's fine. I like hardly ever listen to music because I get like overloaded. So, yeah. but, um, it's like Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston and like they, it's, it's supposed to be like, it's a major news network and it's like the the drama of the show which again it's like a show about artists which is like but my husband like he'll be like wait i don't get it is is she bad like i don't get it is like is she a bad guy or like is he like is he bad and i'm like andrew you're being so boring right now like (laughs) we aren't supposed to be able to tell and that's the whole point but then i'm like is that and then i'm like i need to find like the one of the writers like a like a non-famous writer of the morning show and like ask them because like now i feel like i gotta know like i think what this show is about is like intersectionality and i think the show is about like a lot of its generational like what does it feel like to be like a feminist who's in their late forties versus a feminist who's in their twenties. Cause like those mean different things because it was a different world. And if we, like if I, as a younger woman feel like an older woman is not a good feminist, like maybe that woman like helped pave the way for me to think we need more. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I mean, practicing presentism uh, of just going, judging people from, you know, 40, 50 years ago thousands of years ago and going and judging them by our present standards it's it's ridiculous oh yeah and it's it's unfair and it's not truthful because i mean if we're if we're wanting to look at it from an artistic point of view it's like okay i have to drop at, at least be aware of the like the biases and sort of things that i have but i'm going to go okay i'm going to plant myself in this world I have to understand some of the customs, mythologies, strong held beliefs, you know, and, and then go, okay, this, this person or these people, uh, you know, whether again, 40 years ago, uh, 400 years ago. So interesting. Yeah. And, and I think it's for the humanity and you have to, if you want to be hopefully an honest (laughs) person, I think like, and it takes work and I think, that is, it can be exhausting, but it's also, um, you know, I, I have my own sort of journey with, with, uh, you know, LDS stuff, sure. but yeah. there, there's, um, there's one line in one of those old hymns that I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. But it's, it's, uh, from that song. T- I don't know if you remember, Oh, say what is truth. Yes. Yeah. But I was it, the ward chorister okay. forever, obviously. So the, it just, <laughs> there's that one little line that says, um, yeah, Oh, say what is truth. And then it's, uh, search, go search in the depths where glittering lies. Oh yeah. That's a beautiful line. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I think it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you have to like seep through some of the dark. You have to go to dark places sometimes yeah. if, if you really want to find it, Yeah, you know? Oh, say what is truth, but a kindly word. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I never thought about that before, but like, yeah. that's, yeah, it's actually like speaking of Mormonism, yeah. I have been feeling like lately kind of inspired to like reintegrate some of like those parts of myself. 
I don't think I'll, I can ever go back to church. And part of that is both of my parents are abusive people. And when you're taught God by abusive people, yeah. it's really hard. Oh, to and it sours it and you yeah. want to throw all of it away. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, at least for me in, in my journey, it was like, nope, like yeah. nothing. But then there are points just like with what you're saying, we're like, yeah. actually that idea, not, not necessarily everything else, but that specific yeah. little like nugget, you're like, that's I, like, that, hell yeah. That's like, great let's for keep my life. That in my hell morality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's something like it's, it's actually been like such a joy for me. Like, cause I, I, I was teaching at BYU and I like had a faith crisis. So mm. it was a complicated couple of years. Like I, I kind of was like in out for Dude, longer that, than I would have been so if I didn't teach it, if I wasn't teaching at BYU. And it wasn't like, I, w- I wasn't ever trying to like pull one over on BYU. I was more trying to figure out like, can I make this work? You know? right. And I couldn't, but, um, but I, I have had a, a really like an interesting experience in the last. So I left BYU in 27. Wait, is that right? It was more like 2019. Yeah. 2019. Um, oh, yeah. 2019 as if there wasn't enough going on. It was a um, wild. Yeah. But I left BYU and like the, then officially the church in 2019. Mm. And uh since then I've had a really interesting time like rebuilding my own like morality, you know, and trying yeah. to decide like which of these things do I keep? Um and it, it that has felt like a creative endeavor too, which also feels just like very magical and something that I like I would like for everyone in their thirties to do that, you know, like yeah. just really think about your own ethics. Like, and I, and I'd love for those conversations to be ongoing in our lives. Like I, I would love for my like 10 years from now self to look at my now self and be like, there were a lot of things you didn't know. Like yeah. I plan on that, you know, I, I actually really like that. And I think that, um, Gosh, there is this sort of idea. And I, I go back to Dylan a lot because... He's I, a poet. Yeah, there's that poetic and and just it feels like he's like a cat. He's lived so many different yeah. specific <laughs> lives. But I think to that point, you know, there is that bit of like, okay, I've been living this way for a while. Is this still something that yes. really does resonate with me or or... And what can I hold on to? And what can I say? Thank you. Like not necessarily yeah. doing the whole Marie Kondo, like you don't bring me joy anymore. Although like sort of thing. it's kind of a lovely thought. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But, and, and saying thank you so much for this or yeah. this was really rough and I'm ready to, to grow again. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a Phoenix sort of situation Amen. where you get, get old. And we're then so scared it. of it, but I, oh, it yeah. feels like we need it. Like in light of like the globalization of our planet, we come in contact with people who are not like us more than ever in the history of our species. And we are not wired for it. Like oh, no. we are not wired for it. We're such a tribal people. We have a lot of fear. And I just feel like if we want to survive as like a species, we yeah. have to like level up. And I think that level up is it lives in this, like, can we have a conversation? Can we have uncertainty? Can we realize like, Oh, maybe I was wrong about that. Yeah. Um, can we reinvent, you know, I don't know, like these questions just feel, I mean, and even like, I know you, I know this is just in passing, but like even Marie Kondo, like I read this beautiful article cause people were so critical. People were critical of yeah. like her specials and 
maybe you've heard this too. And if not, you'll like it. But I read this article about how like a lot of her philosophy comes from like Shintoism. Did you or have you heard this already? No, no, no. Which is kind of like, I'm, this is going to be reductive for sure. But basically the idea that like every object has like a spirit, you know? And so in that case to like, look at your coaster or like your little vase and be like, do you bring me joy? let me send you to a new place, you know? And I, I also think even just like, like, I feel like it's so American to be like, Oh, Marie Kondo. Um, and then, and I can even feel that, but then to know like, Oh, this is a, this is a beaut, this, the context of this is a beautiful ancient religion that has, you know, if something's going to last that long, there's probably some wisdom in it. Or yeah. violence, right. Like, right? But I don't think Shintoism is like a violence no. thing. That's and that's really we interesting. We could use some of that in America. I th- I think Sorry. so. I think so. I think it's sometimes we we take things to extremes, like you know, where we're like everybody's like I got to do the Marie Kondo thing, and it's it's like that's that's fantastic, but also like is this something that you're really into, or it's 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 is a, it a sort moment? Of, yeah, yeah, and and that's where I feel like. Um, you know, sometimes we get carried away in points from like, okay, like sometimes, you know, you can just have a few knickknacks that you're like, I just like this thing. Like, and, and then I, Marie Kondo you know, would say, keep that thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But we, I think so oftentimes, and it, it's such a human thing to do is to just be like, I've got to be all in and just go straight oh. for it. Or it's like, yeah. that's just dumb. But I think somewhere in the middle and going back to with what you were saying, is I, we live now, I mean, we can connect with anybody at any time, mm-hmm. anywhere, but also like there is still so much fear. And, and yeah. Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, uh, a Buddhist philosopher, would say that, you know, f- because of fear, we have things like anger and, yeah. and hatred and all of these things that it's like if we can learn to acknowledge our fear and then say, you know what? I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let myself listen, truly listen, even when I disagree. And I'm going to let myself be heard, even when I know I might cause some sort of uh, disagreement in somebody else, but to actually be seen and to allow others to be seen and allow ourselves to be heard and allow others to be heard, I think is such an integral part to uh, the human existence. But it's if we if we allow fear to win and dominate, I mean it's uh, it's a it's a hard rain's gonna fall, man. Yeah, like yeah. it's wild. I really agree, and like I just feel like you're gonna think I'm like bullshitting because this keeps happening. But like my whole new album is about this. It's oh, like, that's so cool. It's called the Hallowed Wide, which is like the sacred dis- the sacred and vast distance between people and peoples. Yeah. And like, so my question for you is, mm-hmm. how do like personally? how do you do that? Like, what are your strategies for like listening to things that are hard to hear for saying things that are hard to say? Like, how are you, how do you do it? Like, what's your perspective on this? Oh man. It's a, it's a great question. I, I mean, some, some, something in me and maybe perhaps it's, it was just, I, I was dealt a very, very heavy hand of, hard, harsh realities as a child yeah. of, I mean, yeah, I mean, there was, you know, things like uh, abuse and, and other things that happened and obviously watching, you know, your, one of your parents suffocate to death is, is a rough, 
yeah. sort of situation. But I, I think somewhere along the way, it hit me that nothing lasts forever. And, and it's, and that can be a beautiful thing. It's a bittersweet sort of idea, but it can also be a relieving thing where it's like this pain isn't going to last forever. But what I can do now is sit there and listen to somebody, even if I disagree, or even if I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Whatever it is, I can go, you know what? This isn't going to be a forever thing, but for this person right now, if I can do something to help uh, alleviate some sort of suffering, I think that's a more of a, a Buddhist sort of mentality. But I think even in like the roots of 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 Christianity, it's that idea of like Jesus I'm going to bury was your a Buddhist, you know. Yeah, I mean, exactly, like, like exactly. <laughs> philosophically, these core core truths <laughs> yeah. and these ideas of like, let me help you and. How can I help you? And sometimes it's just saying, I'm going to listen. Yeah. And even if I disagree, I'm, I love you, you know? Yes. I it's, feel that too. Yeah. yeah. And I, I also will say like, I love you to everyone and yep. it's not like, I mean it. Like I, I yeah. mean it like, you know, fellow, like member of the human family, like you're precious because you exist. Like, yes. and I really mean that like sociopaths included, yeah. you know, oh, like, yeah. that's, that's biological and like, it's an illness and it, some people are not safe to have in society, but like, right. they're still a person. Like, yep. I don't know, it's complicated, but like, isn't that what we're talking about? That's true. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, Dr. Seuss talked about that. Yeah. Really? A person's a person. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, do you have like small. specific strategies though? Like, like I, I really mean like in the nitty gritty, like yeah. how, how do you make it clear to someone that you're a person that they like, how do you signify, like, how do you actually do it? Yeah. I honestly, I think it's just being open and, and I think showing people, we, we really, especially again, now we live in this digital sort of uh, heavy image-based yeah. perfection, Photoshopped, like masturbatory, narcissistic yeah. sort of machine that we're sort of creating. But I think within that, it's like just saying, dude, I, I had a zit today. I'm imperfect. Yes. You know, and, and literally just going, you said that that's, that is perfect. And saying, I've got a blemish. Like every, does anybody, I don't know if anybody else does. I'm not going to make that assumption, but I, I'm, I'm imperfect. Just to let you know. There's something radical about that. Which is wild to think. It is, but it's true. We all, we all have mistakes that, and, and decisions we've made that we're not proud of or moments where you're like, you know, that was just hard. And I didn't react as well as I could or yeah, I'm not, I'm not the wealthiest person or yeah. I have a short, uh, attention span or I make whatever it is. I've, it's just going, look, I have these problems. Boom. Yeah. And saying and pe- the quiet part out loud. Yeah. And it almost just kind of like deflates things where it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't have to put on this facade because yeah. again, I think we feel like we have to paint this veneer. It's almost like a, a you know, a, a, a Georgian sort of uh, um, painting of like, I just have to be this right. like perfect makeup, like person. Yeah. And it's not real. Yeah. You know, like we, we are yeah. flawed and, and just like with what you're talking about with um, what was the, the Apple show that you were talking about? The morning the news, show. Morning show. It's like, sometimes you can't tell, but there's an ambiguity and yeah, ambiguous it, idea kind of. of life. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we all have, um, 
I, Dylan talks about this again. He says, uh, I'm a man of contradictions. I'm a man of many moods. I contain multitudes. Yeah. And it's just acknowledging we all do. We all have shadows. We all have light and they are necessary to influence each other. Just like with when a photographer, I was married to a photographer. She was amazing at what she did. But one of the things she opened my eyes to was realizing that if you overexpose an image, uh, you lose a lot of, of, of data. But if you underexpose, it's so dark that you again lose data, but you need light and shadow in order to be, to see depth and to see things more clearly and I think once we expose, like we like to live in a world of like, look at all the light, bright sides of myself. And it's like, that's not reality. Yeah. And for me saying, look, I'm imperfect. I've yeah. made mistakes. It's like, oh, this other person yeah. is okay with that. And it's just kind of saying, I'm not going to participate in the game of everything has to look great because that's, yeah. or, it's exhausting. Or any number of other games, like yeah. social rules. And, it, and it is tricky. Like, I think I said this on the podcast, maybe in the last episode. For, so for the listener, sorry, but I am a person who thinks about the same thing for more than one week. <laughs> but my therapist said this thing to me, like, cause I was talking with him about, I had some trauma, I think leaving BYU and like, I don't use that word lightly. Like it was, it was hard there. Yeah. Um, and I'm teaching UVU now. And I was telling my therapist, like, I'm, I'm stressed out. I feel like I'm like pulling some of the, and this conversation was probably a year ago, but I feel like I'm, I'm pulling some, um, some of those fears like into this new space Mm. and I'm not sure what the boundaries are. Like, I don't know, like, I, I, I think what it ultimately is, is I'm confused about what professionalism means, like, and professionalism at BYU with the honor code means something really specific but also really not specific. And then professionalism in academia also means something specific, but not specific. And being in academia in the arts is also like, what is it? Like, it's difficult. what is it supposed to be anyway? But my therapist was like, Emily, you'll, you'll, you need to find where the boundaries are. And if you're going to actually do that, what it kind of means is you're going to cross them sometimes. Right. And, and that just gave me like so much kind of peace, like, you know, right. We can make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, And if your can. intentions are in the right place and you're listening and you're doing your best. And I mean, your intentions are really in the right place. Now, like, come on, I'm a good person. I don't need to change. But right. like you actually are like paying attention and being flexible. Then like, yeah, I think like, you know, breaking a social rule every now and then just as a test, like. I mean, I think what I'm specifically thinking about is like this idea of like saying the quiet part out loud, like I have a zit or like, you know, I'm going through something like there's this other thing. Yeah. Even just like I was telling you as we were walking in, like I've, I've been in the habit of asking people like, what energy do I find you in today? Because I feel like it's, that's a way that I'm signifying, like you can just tell me if you're tired or like, you can just tell me and we can work in that space. Like we can just be there in that space. Um, And that it's okay. Yeah. And like, sometimes like one thing I'm really dealing with is like, since my mom died, so my, my mom died in 2018 Mm. and, um, and I've been like trying to like process her like abusiveness and like the end was really hard. I mean, I think if you have an abusive parent, you hold out hope that like it will change and it just, it didn't. And so dealing with that in the wake of her passing was really heavy. And, um, and, and one of the things that I'm trying to kind of recover from as like 
a person who was raised by a narcissistic woman in particular. I think my dad's narcissistic too, but like my mom really did a particular number on me, but um, I'm terrified of women. Like, and that's just a thing that's like, that's, it's a thing that's understandable. Yeah. And it's a thing that I don't want to continue having. So I've been finding myself like in conversations with women who are triggering that thing, just saying like, I can feel myself acting weird right now. And I just need you to know I'm just, I'm thinking about my mom and I'm like projecting right. my mother onto you a little bit. And yeah. it's a bizarre thing to say out loud. It's like completely taboo. It's very weird, but like I've had good success with this. Which I think, I mean, that's beautiful though. That, I mean, congratulations on, on, on the courage that you have to be able to say that, but there's something beautiful that I think within like the human consciousness now that we like for so long, like our, all so many of our ancestors, it's just survival mode. Like yeah. so I, I don't, I, I admittedly don't watch a ton of, of films. Cause I just get, sometimes I'm like, I just get burned out with media, totally. but I will watch something like, um, like alone. I don't yeah, know if you've yeah. ever heard of that, that show, but yeah, it's the, the like wilderness one. Yeah, yeah. And, and just seeing like, it gives me a great reality check of how much yeah. like, my life has been blessed with modern conveniences, but also just seeing like our focus now is like, we can just go, wait, I can question in my head. Is this really something to do with somebody else or am I projecting something? Yeah. And like, what a gift to, that is to be able to be in a place yeah. to, to do that. Right. And the fact that right. you have the consciousness enough to, to do that and the bravery to say, look, this is probably like nothing to do with you. This is, I'm, I'm putting this on here and I'm sorry if I'm acting weird. I'm, I'm really, I'm trying to figure that out, yeah. you know, and yeah, that's, like it's me. Yeah. <laughs> and there, there's a reasonable, reasonable explanation for it. Yeah. And like, let's just take the air out of this situation right. for, for, for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it feels to me very like along with this kind of globalization question of like, we are at a place in, in humanity where to your point, we're like, we're comfortable enough, many of us, not everybody, of course, but comfortable enough to have the brain space for these kinds of questions. And I think it's really important. Like it's, I think, it, I think it's necessary, like to save our planet, <laughs> like yeah. to save our species, like for us to kind of do a level up. And I, and one thing that I think we struggle with is we just don't see enough models. Like we don't see it modeled. Right. And, and again, that's what this podcast is for me a little bit. It's like, can, can I have a two hour conversation with a stranger having no idea what their background is, having no idea, like what their current, you know, self is like, um, it's a model. It's, it's, it's a, it's a pioneering of a new model, you know, so cool. I don't know. I mean, that also feels very like I am aware. I'm just like a person and I live in Lehigh, Utah, Yeah. but I feel like, you know, it's something. Yeah. But you're, it's you're research. a person. You, yeah. are, you are a person and, yeah. and you're doing something with your consciousness to help, uh, you know, raise awareness and, and, you know, give new thoughts. I think well, it's a beautiful thing. Thanks. You know? And everyone who sits in this chair that you're in is a person too. And that's also yeah. like brave, you know, like it's, it's tricky to like have a conversation with a person and, one of my um, guests who um, her episode just came out, but winter storm, she's a poet. Mm. And she said something that I, I think I'll never stop thinking about, which is she was like, you know, thanks for having faith in me to like invite me on your podcast. And she was like, but you know, I also 
it, it wasn't, I'm framing it like it was a, a butt, but it, it didn't feel like that. I just can't right. remember the perfect context, context, but she said like, you know, I, I had faith in you to like come here. Mm. And I, I really feel that like, I know how many people I invite to this podcast who never come like, really? and it, it really feels like I'm, I'm, I'm really genuinely grateful for like every person who comes to Lehigh because it's not nearby for almost anyone right? and comes in my basement and talks with me for two hours. I mean, that is really like a, that's an extension of trust, you know, it's yeah. radical too. Absolutely. So, okay. Absolutely. I've been meaning to add, I, like, I just yeah. am loving this conversation so much. We've barely talked about you at all. Um, <laughs> no worries. This David, has been fun. tell me like, how did you become a person that has these kinds of conversations? Like, how did you kind of learn the things you like? How did you learn about Buddhism? How do you know about Picasso? Like, yeah. how did you become like this person that's here with me today? Uh, I think, um, wow, that's a, it's a beautiful question. And I will do my best to be as succinct as possible. But I mean, you, like I we've mean, been talking about, it's all messy. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, honestly, yeah, staring death in the face does a lot to you. That yeah. like watching my mom pass away was one thing, but then seeing, like, I, I remember I I let days before I left on a Mormon mission, um, I was hanging at my grandparents' house and. Uh, and I, you know, I was pretty close to them, but my grandpa had this gnarly seizure and it sent him into this oh. sort of coma. And it was one of those moments where I was like, I knew that when I left, that that would be the last time I would see him. It wasn't like, well, maybe he'll, sur-. it was like, you're going to die shortly after this and I have to leave. And there was something about that sort of aspect of being able to have conversations like this, where it's like, I should... I would like to be the type of person that just asks and 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 sits there and receives and understands sorts of knowledge yeah. um, because who knows? Like, again, nothing is guaranteed. Like I could like walk out that door and like a yeah. brick could fall on my head. You know, nothing is guaranteed, but it's like if I'm living in this sort of maybe tomorrow mindset, then... Uh, you know, tomorrow will come and then I'll say, well, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, yeah. you know, and I will put it on, uh, put it off and off and off. So I think I'm, I'm a type of person that I also like, uh, looking at patterns and understanding patterns. how people work. Yeah. And, I, and I think arts. my medium might be patterns. Really? Yeah. I, Which is so cool. It's a thought I've been having recently. Really? You're just like, we're on a wavelength. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't no. mean to interrupt you, but like oh, not at all. patterns and you and my friend Drew as really? well. Oh man. Pa- pattern junkies. Yeah. Like, isn't <laughs> that junkies. stupid though? Like, I feel like if I tell, if I tried to tell someone like, I like patterns, they would be like, what do you mean? Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, no, no, all of them. Yeah. Every kind. Yeah. As many I'm, as I can think of. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's as what much, it all is for me. Exactly. Like, yes, it's like the visual and also just like the social and, and yes. everything. You're like, let's look at it it's all. It's so stupid and dumb, but like. No, it's so true. I'm, I am a pattern junkie. Like I, if I can find I'm a pattern, I'm like. Mm. <laughs> like <laughs> You're like, I found something. Yes. I'm I love observing it so something. much. It's like. Yeah, it's like it's it if you're looking for patterns, the whole world is a puzzle and that's like really exciting. Exactly. Exactly. And and that's for me has been like, well, I want to understand more. Whether yeah. it's I want to understand more about like uh different religions and different like 
modes and customs that people learn and being willing to be open to those things. Because I I, I got my undergraduate at uh, BYU-Idaho and I learned so many beautiful things about like different faiths and different uh, things, but I would sit there and there would be classmates that would just be, uh, I've got to defend my own faith until the death. And it's like, that's, I understand you have a devotion there, but we're not talking about you. Yeah, right. We're talking about Zoroastrianism. Right, right. And that that's something that you're not a part of and you could learn from. Right. And there's a humility in that. And I'm not here to say I'm this humble person because I have my own hang-ups with things. Of course. But it's it's a nice exercise to to say, "All right, ego, I'm going to leave you at the door and you're going to try and come up to me and say, "Acknowledge me." But no, no, no. This isn't about you. This is about learning about somebody else's life. Yeah. Uh, this is learning about somebody else's faith, their their life journey, all of these things, and it, it makes life so much more exciting. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And and if I get rid of the fear yeah. and go, look, I you know, I don't know if any of that's true. I don't know, but that's not the point. It's I want to learn and to understand. Yeah. And then when you come in contact with people that maybe they're Zoroastrian or, right. you know, pagan or, or whatever it is. It's like, oh, you're a person and you have these sets of beliefs, but also who are you? Right. I don't know. Just like, you know, I mean, so many times it's like, oh, you're Mormon. How many wives do you have? Or like, totally. it's like, oh, no, no, hold on. Like there are Mormons that I know that I'm like, dang, like you're an amazing person. And then there are others. I'm like, you've missed the plot completely. So Amen. it's, yeah. so it's like, look it's at everybody, everything, it's yeah, true it, everything or yeah. Like I'm a musician and you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. There's all kinds of things. It can be anything. And you said earlier, like, I don't want to miss this cause it was so beautiful, but you, it's just such, such a simple sentence. And you said like, I want to be the kind of person who just asks, Yeah. <laughs> just like, that's it. I think yeah. like just, just ask. And if you have fear and if you're, if you're, stuck on certainty like if certain if like uncertainty is going to like shatter your entire self-concept and worldview like just asking is not possible you can't do it you the words might come out of your mouth but you've already decided what the answer is yeah um that's yeah. so terrifying to let that go. Like it it's is, like but it's saying so exciting. It yeah, it can I love be. It, it almost like, becomes like a sort of a, an adrenaline rush of like what do, what do I not know? You know, yes, like I feel this all the time. Like, and I, my degrees are in jazz studies and oh, so cool. I tell this story a lot, but like the first time I heard jazz, I had, it was such a bittersweet thing because like, I thought at the one moment, like, I love this. Like, I'm so just like, I don't even know what it is, but like, I need more. And then I had this thought of like, I'm 16 and I've never heard this before. And, it, and I was struck like in that moment with this, like, this terrible weight of like, what else have I not heard before? Mm. And just like felt, and I felt this is going to sound stupid. I've said it on the podcast before cause it's true, but I felt the same way the first time I ate Indian food. I was like, I was probably like, I think I was like 20. Like I went to Chicago with some friends. We were doing a performance there and I just wasn't raised by people who, were curious mm, <laughs> um yeah and i had never had indian food and my friends wanted to go to an indian restaurant and i was kind of nervous and like i don't even know like i don't even know what 
to or like I don't know how to do this. There's no frame of reference. Yeah, none at all. And uh, so I ordered something and it was just like the most amazing thing I'd ever like I just was like <laughs> how have I gone 20 years without this? Yeah. And I feel I feel wholly burdened. That's why like not have my chef friends not telling me about the French brigade like offended me. <laughs> I was like no I need this information. Yeah. Like this is a really important key to like right. understanding a whole group of people. Um, but yeah, I really, really agree. And I find it one of my personal like hobbies maybe is the kind of the wrong word, but I love like thinking, like looking at an action of a person or, you know, a thing and trying to think of as many e explanations for that action as I can think of, like, yeah. which I'm sure is something you do as an actor. Oh, totally. Should we talk about acting? We can. Okay. <laughs> we can. At the time that you like were graduating from high school, mm. where was your like artistry at at that point? Okay. My artistry at that point when I was graduating from high school, I had been playing guitar for a while. Um, I was in a, a few different shows. My first show ever, like ever, it was in eighth grade and it was, I played Alfred Dussel in the Diary of Anne Frank in Whoa. eighth grade. That's, and I, that's heavy stuff. Oh, and I had you this. You wanted it though. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, my, my, <laughs> it, my English teacher, Mrs. Shank, God bless you, Delilah, wherever you are, but Delilah. yeah, Delilah Shank. I was like, man, she's going to stab me if I do something wrong. But like, she was amazing, <laughs> but like. I, I was so terrible at, at all of that. I just, I didn't understand anything, but I was like, this is fun. But it wasn't until I was in, in high school um, in California at that point, uh, I got invited to do like a musical review of just like these different like musical theater bits. And I sang, I think it was a science fiction double feature from a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Cool. And I made so many friends there and I was like, I love doing this. Yeah. And then in the middle of my sophomore year of high school, I moved up to Rexburg, Idaho. Okay. And so, and that was in January. So I went from like having these outdoor swim classes to all of a sudden like being freezing. Oh yeah. I thought I got yeah. sent to the gulag, you know, it was wild. Was your, were you always LDS? Um, no, I was baptized, uh, Episcopalian and then I got my, uh, Catholic first communion. Oh. Um, and You've so been a lot of places, mm -hmm, how did yeah. you end up like, in Rexburg. Yeah. So when I went to go live with my aunt and uncle, um, we were in California at that point, but my aunt had uh, Lyme disease wow. and uh, my cousin, uh, you know, my cousin's sister was going up to uh, uh, BYU, Idaho. And she met this doctor and she was like, he's been really helping me a ton. Like maybe you should just check him out. My aunt went up there and was going, I feel tons better. So whatever he was doing, like the treatment was working and uh, she would come back and forth to uh, uh, between there and California. And there was a point where she and my uncle talked and they're like, we're moving. We're were move. they LDS? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like your mom's LDS. sister is a convert yeah. to the church. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. And so and I, I got baptized into being uh, LDS when I was uh, 10. Okay. Um, so, but we, we moved up there. And I mean, it was a huge culture shock yeah. um, in, in so many different uh, aspects. But... Uh, my drama teacher there, Robert Hibbard, um, just like, was like, let's get you into shows and doing wow. stuff. Cause I just had this strange personality. Like I think talking now it's like, Oh, you know, I can be just kind of down to earth, but sometimes like with certain characters, I, I really like being uh, sort of strange. I don't know where eccentric. it comes from. Oh dude. It's yeah. like, 
Eccentric is a very, very tame word for eccentric it. Eccentric is fun yeah. though. Like, oh, yeah. it's something that my parents used to, you know, again, abusive. Um, yeah. And this is just one thing, but they just, they were really hard on me as a creative child and they were very like, Oh, Emily, you're so dramatic. <laughs> and I think like draw, like the word dramatic has been like kind of triggering for me for many years in my life. And I've been like working to try to convince people that I'm like very pragmatic and like very logical. Yeah. And lately I kind of feel like, okay, but also dramatic is just good though. Like, yeah. like the world is fucking dramatic. Like it there is. is drama to be had and I am allowed to acknowledge that sincerely. It's true. I mean, and, and everything's like has a, has a sense of drama and theater to it, whether it's uh, you're watching Apple TV or you're watching the news. Like it's all, it all has it's all the same. It's theater. patterns, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I think for me though, I just was like, this is really fun. And I kept making friends and I think there was a therapy in, in that because I, I hadn't gone to therapy at all. Um, when I, uh, like after my mom passed away and, and all that stuff. And so it was kind of a, an area of self-discovery as well as just making new friends. Right. But in the, in the high school realm, yeah, I, I made a lot of friends. I would do all the shows that I could, but a lot of the times during lunchtime, I would just go into the auditorium by myself and play guitar. It was like, I liked having friends, but I was also like, I, I want to be just need to process. by myself. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. You know, um, were you like reading a lot? Were you, were you investigating like, um, like, were you, were you on your own searching out like music that wasn't the most popular thing, like oh, yeah. films. Yeah. How did you learn to do that? Cause I feel like that's a real skill that was to something like that, look for things. I mean, my mom was like such an eclectic person. Wow. I mean, I mean, we were talking about things like even with food, my mom exposed me to like, you know, my, my, at like, you know, four or five that's and was so like, incredible. try this, you know, try that. We're going to go do this. And, and it was just like, there is so much to the world and let's try all these different things. But I mean, she was the one that she was like, well, you like fan of the opera. Like here's like, I can't remember where we got the VHS tape, but it was a, it was, it was a copy of, uh, Lon Chaney's Phantom of the Opera from, what was that? 1926, 27. So it was a silent film, but as like a four or five year old kid, six year old, I I would watch that all the time. I love that so much. That's so cute. It it was amazing. What a little weirdo. I know. (laughs) Super. And I was like, oh my gosh, the shadows, like, and, and I loved listening. You just can't help it if you're an art kid. No, no, you can't. <laughs> it's and I, just, it's drama because you just feel that. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's just real to you. And there was something about oh, I love that it. figure of like the phantom with his cape and the, and the, the cap and, and all of these things. And that translated into when uh, Alec Baldwin played the shadow, like that was a film from a long time ago. Yeah. And so my mom was like, well, you like the shadow. Like here's some wow. old like tapes from like when Orson Welles would do the radio broadcast from like the the thirties. Wow. So I was listening to like these like really old kind of esoteric uh, forms of entertainment and just going, this is insanely a good. Baby. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is so romantic to me. Oh man. I feel like, yeah, it's like you, you and your mom, it sounds like had the curiosity, like the curiosity, you yeah. come by it honestly. And then your mom, I, okay, first of all, the fact that she left this, this big of a skill set with you in such a, sh- such a short amount of yeah. time is really something. 
Yeah. I I'm like moved by that. Um, and also it sounds to me like she saw that curiosity and probably she felt it too. It sounds like, I mean, yeah. I can't imagine those not being yeah. true, but, um, she taught you how to look for things. She taught you like how to, um, ask questions, how to like yeah. investigate further, how to consider like the context of different time periods, different yeah. perspectives. That's amazing. Well, and there was nothing that it, it wasn't like, there was just no judgment of like what, what I would watch in terms of just like, yeah, let's watch a silent movie. Let's watch an old movie. I just loved it. It wasn't like, Oh, all right, well, you're probably going to find this boring. There was never talk of that. It was, let's watch something wow. fun. And like, and it was enjoyable to me. Um, but I think my mom was the type of person that, yeah, she just wanted to, she knew that she didn't have the time left. She wow. was very much aware that it wasn't going, she wasn't going to see me through my my graduating from high school getting married, having kids. Um, she knew that. Yeah. And it was, I think one of the gifts that she gave me and not in a macabre morbid way was just realizing that again, nothing is guaranteed. I hear that. And, and while that can be terrifying at first, it's the realization that you got to make a decision now you got to live now yeah. and that doesn't mean that you don't like make plans and have goals for the future but it's like reality of like i've i i think about that now because i'm i'm a, a new dad and and i look thank you and I, I, it, it's so beautiful and it's weird to look at him and go he's you're my closest living relative wow. and and i look at him and i mean quick side story when when he was born my partner and I, um, we were just, uh, I was just in the hospital and it was like, after one day I was just looking at my son and I, I, I was going, I've spent more time with you in this one day than my dad spent with me my entire life. That's really hard. Yeah. It was so difficult. And it was also like, I love you yeah. and I'm going to tell you that and show that every fucking day. Yes. And not let you get away with stupid shit because, uh, because I'm like, in, like romanticizing this. Well, I never had a dad. So I'm going to, yeah. it's like, no, I'm going to give you everything I can. Yeah. And that's the, the advice, the love, the kind honesty of, yeah, if you screw up, I'm going to be there. There will be there, consequences, yeah. but I'm not going to, I'm not going to yeah. beat you. I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. I'm going to show you that I love you. I'm going to be there. Radical. And my mom, I think, you know, for all the things, cause she, she had some mental health issues and I mean, that woman, she should have a, a book written about she her. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, she was. And, and there were also things that it was like, she, she instilled in me that like, you gotta do it now. You gotta live now. And, yeah. and like, who cares about like what other people say? Like, I have so many friends that are like, you like silent films? I'm like, yeah. Like you can learn so much about performing and how like film has evolved. And yeah. they're like, I just find it boring and kind of weird and creepy. I'm like, dude, ask a better question. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, it's beautiful, yeah. you know? And, uh, yeah. yeah. So I think I just kind of gained that sort of curiosity. That's amazing. From, from I mean, that. it is all kind of curiosity. It is. 
I I do think though that like in addition to curiosity, we do need some models. Like yeah, we need some strategies because yeah. I mean I think I came into the world an exceedingly curious child, and I made my way here. <laughs> like I right. figured it out. I found myself in the arts and like, but I needed an adult to like teach yeah. me some of those skills and my parents were like children in this way. Like I would be a little kid, like having experiences like you, like just being kind of weird and like enjoying things that kids aren't supposed to like. And my parents would just like make fun of me, you know, like, and then, so, I mean, and it's, it's like, it's stupid. It's so stupid. But like, I just think like, I, I often feel a bit of a grief about like, you know, what if I had had parents who would have been like, who would have fed that, like how much farther along could I be? But then I think like, there's always like, I mean, my, I, my family did have a lot of privilege. So, yeah. it, you know, right. it, it's, it's, it's a question that's not, maybe not even worth asking. That maybe is a question that's not even worth <laughs> asking. I don't know. I, I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing though, to, to ask and, and to have, again, I think the courage to go, well, maybe it's, it's not, but you never know if you don't go down the road, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, regardless of whether it's a question I should ask, it's a question that lives in, yeah, my, and it's in there. my heart. It, yeah. it already is. Yeah. 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 But anyway, all this to say, I just, I just think it's, it's just fascinating the way that like, you know, I think, I, I think about, because I didn't have that from my parents, like the, the nurturing of a curiosity or the nurturing of a creativity, I relied on these little flickers from teachers, you know, just like these little flickers, these tiny little moments that I still like as an artist, like, and a human, like deeply rely on, you know, 20, 30 years later. Um, and then that makes me think there is a power in these little things. Mm -hmm. And maybe this model it's just a little model, but it's like, if, if it's a model that like affects even just me and you, like, or yeah. me and whoever the guest is, like, that's something, you know, yeah, it that's still something. has an effect. And what else can I do? You know, like, right. like we have the voice we have, like, and <laughs> like might as well tr- try. You yeah. Know? Use it. Use it. Yeah. I, I think for so much of my life, um, you know, I, I'd spent so much time looking at, what I wasn't, um, and what I felt like I lacked and what I, I couldn't, I couldn't be, whether that was like a perfect, uh, person, um, or, or just like, I don't have the voice of Morgan Freeman, so I'm not going to be successful or whatever it is rather than there is a point though, after doing this for so long where you're like, you're right, I'm, I'm not Lon Chaney. I'm not Morgan Freeman. I'm not Daniel Day-Lewis. I'm not Bob Dylan. I'm not John Lennon. I'm not, I could go on, but I am me. Yeah. And that is something. And you don't know what you're in the middle of making. No. And and nobody does. Like we, we like to treat it. I think within this industry, there's this, this weird dichotomy of we, we want to keep it mysterious, but also we have it figured out. It's like, dude, some, you never know. You could have uh, something that could, be in your head the biggest hit and it flops and then this little thing that you're like whatever people are like that was insanely good right. amazing you're like i don't know i i literally have no idea right but or i'm gonna even be like, there you know you think about longevity in a career yeah. and like you know like this is just the first example that's coming to my mind but like conan o'brien has this podcast that's fairly new and he has such a long career like yes. i mean his body of work is just ridiculous but like 
there are people discovering him for the first time in this new medium right. and they will know him from that, you know? And it's just like, you just don't know what you, and like a podcast didn't even exist when he was like our age. No. So like who, who knows? Like you don't know what skill sets you're building. You don't know what opportunities will come. It might be something you could never imagine. Like Spotify was invented the year I finished my master's degree in music. Like that is wild. YouTube yeah. was invented my freshman year of, co- of college. <laughs> like I, I distinctly remember like the first conversation where I heard someone talking about YouTube and like, I remember just being like, how do you spell that? Like, right. what, like what, like I remember just being like YouTube, <laughs> yeah. like what it sounds what so is tacky. Yeah. yeah. And then it took me like another five years to be like, Oh, tube, like a TV. Right. Like, you, like I mean, it was so <laughs> new that it was just like, anyway, bizarre. And for all these reasons, we just have no fucking idea. We have no right. idea. Um, okay, I can't let you leave without asking you about acting. Like, yeah. tell me what you think is magical about it. What do you want people to know? Oh, man. What do I think is magical about acting? I think it's a beautiful exercise in empathy and yeah. understanding um, somebody else's sort of, of life view. And being able to do that research, I I often think of life in abstracts. You know, I'm like feeling blue or, or something. But I think um, a tool that's useful for acting specifically is to be analytically minded as well and to be able to have the creative sort of um intangible modes yeah yeah yeah, of of being able to express an idea but also putting that into action and using both of those things like there's this classic sort of idea that you know you're either uh technique oriented with acting or your method Mm -hmm. acting And it's like you can have you can have a blend of both where you're methodical in this because you want to practice to have this feel more natural. And then there's areas where it's like, okay, I need to be analytical because I don't want to just be shooting in the dark, mm-hmm. trying to uh, to make something come into fruition. Um, but in reality, I could be like five blocks away from the actual idea. So I need to like actually hone in and go. Mm-hmm. And that for me takes like uh, you know, uh, collaboration with, with directors. And again, having the humility to be like, I don't know everything. Yeah. What are your ideas? And here are the ideas that I have. And maybe we can come up with a new idea that we hadn't thought before. Right. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be imperfect. It's a great exercise again in going, I'm going to try a lot of things and I'm going to fail over and over again. Yeah. And in the midst of that, there is going to be some little um, spark of something that really is going to come into fruition that could land. And I have no idea what that, what that is going to manifest as. But again, I think for me, it's a beautiful, beautiful way of uh, looking at the world differently acting is, as well as just being able to um, see humanity through a different lens. And I think, even just like uh, what we accept as, as reality through a different lens and go, oh, yeah. man, these are different modes of thinking. And it's really easy. I mean, we have so many examples of uh, actors and performers who get lost in in the ether mm-hmm. and they go down these rabbit holes that they don't return from, whether that's yeah. like going mentally insane or you have uh, people that like, addiction problems yeah. and and that's like it's heartbreaking because i've 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 met some of these people that are just like brilliant 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 people and 
they they have so much to offer, but I think one of the ways that it can be dangerous is you can feel so much and you can get lost in the tide. Yeah. But I think being analytically minded and also going, I'm going to be empathetic. Brene Brown talks about that a lot. Where I'm it's such like, a fan of hers. Yeah. And, and she talks about that where it's like, you can be empathetic. That doesn't mean that you take on everything. It's yeah. you go, okay, I'm going to tread this water for a bit, um, but I'm not going to drown myself in it. Yeah. But I think the danger with artists sometimes is we we can often go and be like, I've got to push it to the extreme. But it's like that doesn't always yield stuff that... that uh, it might kill you. Yeah, it might like exactly. literally kill you. And, and it does yeah. beg the question, is that worth it? Is it ethical? And like I think with from a consumer to an artist uh, relationship, it's like, is is that worth making a buck over? Right. You know, and are you willing to pay for that? Yeah, you yeah. know, because it's not yeah. just, um, I think there is this idea and I love hanging out with people that have nothing to do with acting because I get to know more about their professions, but also it's just a nice breath of fresh air. Yeah. But we, we talk about this a lot where it's like, you know, you have, um, people that, uh, think that acting is just like, well, you get paid gobs of money to just, uh, um, you know, pretend to be somebody else. And there, there is the little, uh, silliness in that where it's like, essentially, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, but there is also the prep for that. And also the, the risk of being humiliated and having people just like try and tear you apart, you know? And, and I think that's something when you're striving for something like this in this industry, it's, it's going, I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be ridiculed, but for me, it's like have a good base of friends yeah. and also go, yeah, it's okay to take a break every now Just and again. Just go watch football. Yeah. 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 I, I really, really agree. And like, you know, this should once again, like come as no like big surprise. But, you know, as I've been thinking about the ethics of like universities, like I've decided to say this quiet part out loud to my students this fall. It's like a new thing I'm trying, but talking about this just explicitly with my students, like the tension between like the hustle and the like art stuff and, and like, you know, trying to encourage them to just like lean into it, lean into that tension rather than choosing a lane. Because I think you're right. You need a balance of like practicality, like being analytical, planning, like having boundaries, like, um, stuff that's very structured. And then you need this like wild, risky, like free space and finding a balance between those things is tricky and it's a it's a medium in and of itself i kind of feel yeah and i also think it's a model that works in other places too like i think that model of like finding the tension between this magical stuff that like you can't pin down and it's full of uncertainty and like deep structure and rigor um i i think those are models also for dealing with racism and dealing with homophobia and mm-hmm. you know whatever like global collapse like yeah. is impending like right it's it, and i i don't think it's the only model but i do think it's a model like right have one foot in like radical humanity like money is not part of the conversation you know and then have one foot in like how can we actually do it you know absolutely and and you need both of those schools of thought yeah. because one without the other it causes uh, an imbalance totally you I know really agree for for all the you know sort of uh 
interesting strata that surrounds movies like Star Wars. Uh, there, like some of those ideas of like imbalances in the Force and things. I think about that a lot. And it's not because I'm even this huge mega Star Wars fan. I don't really, it's not even something I, I think about very often, but I think those little core ideas of like, okay, like we need to have balance. And, and that means that you have to have uh, emotion and you also have to have logic and, and rational discussions and being able to have both of those things. And for an artist, for whether you're, uh, you know, a performer, uh, actor, writer. singer, yeah, yeah. writer. It's Chef. like, yeah, being able to look at all of those things and go, okay, like I'm going to observe, I'm going to create, and I'm also, I'm, I'm there to listen. Yeah. Um, I want to be yeah. the kind of person who just asks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and it. not be ashamed for asking. Yeah. We, we do that so often is the case or it's like, <laughs> just let go of the fear and and uh jump go for yeah. it you ask know, and then listen and ask yeah well that is a beautiful conclusion um is there anything you feel is unsaid uh no okay like life is unsaid i think <sighs> i mean you're 32 i'm 34 hopefully yeah. a lot is unsaid yeah um but we'll figure that out later um i always ask sure. everybody two closing questions the first mm-hmm. is on this day what is your dream collaboration you can build a whole team who who moves you that you'd oh, love to man. work with? Oh gosh! Um, right off the top of my head, I've been really into uh, Tim Robinson's. Uh, I think you should leave. Oh um, my gosh, it's the best. Yeah, it it makes. Are you going to tell everyone I housed Dylan's burger? Really? <laughs> yeah, dude, I've watched that that skit like six times. <laughs> Chicken spaghetti at Chickalini's. Like, it's oh my gosh. There's something about if I could work with Tim Robinson on on something for acting, it would be just incredible. Like, yeah. I I love stuff like that. Cool. That's that's my. I wasn't my expecting right you now. to say something comedy because this has been oh, yeah. such a like black beret oh, conversation yeah. exactly. that we've been having. Yeah. Yeah. No, I see what I watch. Yeah. I'll watch either like, um, yeah. Reality TV, like survival stuff I've been really into, or I watch, I think you should leave in South park. Like, yeah. South those park are the is things. also art. Oh yeah. How do Satire. they weave these things? Satire. I've just been watching this season it's that has the, the member berries <laughs> and member? I'm like, member? like all the time, oh, I member. like nonstop, <laughs> That's just so good. literally all the time. That is such but, a good, uh, <laughs> that's amazing. I've got it down. Yes. I'm a did. voice professional as well. That was so good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> thanks. Um, thanks. But, but more importantly, like watching the, the, line between the satire and reality in that season was just like how did they make this like yeah and it the blows fact my mind that they make it in a week it's that's crazy. that's the crazy thing i just like watching it it's like i with south park it's like you know the animation is kind of like upsetting oh yeah <laughs> like they're kind of ugly and yeah. like it, it it doesn't feel like it's high art but like the people that are in that writer's room are doing something well, amazing. That's where I feel like I feel like cartoons in general have been looked at as well. That's just stuff for children. But I think stuff like South Park, even moments, uh, Rick and Morty, uh, Solar and Opposites, so um, you know, or even stuff like Studio Ghibli, uh, Spirited Away, How's Moving Castle. Th- that's these are 
art forms where I'm like, they, you can learn so much because cartoons can take you to places that like reality, even with the best CGI can't do, right. you know, and we can explore ideas and we're a, a bit removed because we're like, oh, well, that's a cartoon, but you're still able to talk about heavy things that if you tried to do that, like Kubrick did that uh, a lot with um, like Dr. Strangelove or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb where it's like heavy satire and I love it, but it's like, sometimes people are like, that's too much, yeah. but a cartoon might be able to get that or sort like, of message across. Um, Nick Kroll's Big Mouth is another oh, yeah. perfect example. Like, yeah talking about such real, real things, but like with the whimsy of animation that, yeah, exactly. that makes it not traumatizing to watch. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's so underrated. So yeah, yeah, I think comedy is definitely, gosh, I, I think if, if that goes, uh, man, humanity, we're in trouble. Cause even Victor Frankl said that in man's search for meaning that he, in order for him to, uh, survive concentration camps, like the darkest of human experiences, he and his uh, constituents, they would just have to laugh yeah. and some in some way find humor in their situation. Yeah. And I'm going, if you can do that, that's that's a very, very good way of like coping with things. Yeah. I'm not saying escape from problems, but sometimes you just need to, it's that little lever that relieves the pressure where you're like, okay, I can deal with this yeah. one more step, yeah. one more day, you know, that's and, what art's for. And then mm -hmm. that particular art form is like very necessary. I fully agree. Yeah. Finally, tell people where to find you. Oh man. Well, you can find me on Instagram at, uh, Dave Martinez underscore. And, uh, let's see. Yeah. That's really the only place right now. That's where all my links are. Uh, I have one song out on Spotify right now. It's uh, under the artist name Quixote, and that's like Don Quixote. Yeah. Um, and the song's called Blue City Lights. Cool. And uh, I'm uh, working on getting some funding to get uh, an EP out there. I'm that's kind of great. doing something similar with Good. just making like a little concept EP. And, I love it. Oh, uh, yeah. Any particular music. like work that you want people to go and watch? Oh, man. Of my, yeah. my own work? Oh, man. I think normally it's, we talk about all the things. But. Yeah, honestly, I think it's just a treat to to be even seen in any or heard. If you're listening to this right now, <laughs> holy cow, bless you, thank you very much, and love to you wherever you are. Yeah, whether you're on the toilet or in the car, yes, I feel <laughs> but, that as well. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, most of those links are just like there. Uh, yeah, uh, underscore okay. or Dave Martinez underscore. Um, and yeah, I mean, I have some things that are coming out soon, so that uh, they're still in just post-production. Wow. But um, I'm excited. We'll see what happens in the next uh, year or two here. Yes. Well, David, thank you so much for coming. This has just been like such a gift to me. I really am grateful for it. And uh, we rescheduled twice because I was having a, a PTSD week. Yeah. And then we were scheduled because you were sick. Oh, man. And I just appreciate your patience. And I'm so glad that we did it. I'm really happy you're here. Thanks. Thank you for having me. This has yeah. been so awesome. Yay. And uh, thanks for letting me get to know you and, so Bear, and, and Bear. Yeah. I think Andrew, my husband, might be home for lunch. I felt like I heard him up there. So. Oh, awesome. And he loves I Think You Should Leave, too. <laughs> yes. Well, thanks so much for being here. It was a pleasure. Hey, thank you. 
Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.